welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast with the goal to hold the scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here, Logan Batisti. And we come to you on a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Just a little bit of rain. Yeah. We're like the Sunday football time right now. <laughs> yeah. Here a couple of weeks, I don't think Colton will want to go leave the living room to go do this. Mm, that's not true. <laughs> it depends on how the season goes. We might be just doing podcasts every Sunday permanently. So that you don't have to go and watch the Packers lose. Exactly. I'll just fill that time with something godly. Right. I will know that God is telling me that I need to let go of something. If that's the case, he'll be sanctifying me. Oh, I was going to say, I'm glad that I'm just a fantasy football player fan. You got to have, you got to have some roots, man. You got to, you got to plant your flag. Right. I mean, with how much of a fan you are, the Packers, like surprised you didn't try to own like a share of the Packers. Yet. I tried. Crystal told me no. It was a few years ago. It came up. <laughs> I was looking into it just to see what it was. Yeah, she's like, well, what do you get? And I was like, well, you get this cool piece of paper you put on. And she wasn't really thrilled about that. Yeah, it's not like you make any dividends off no off of it that I know of. But it's really cool. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to do it. She wouldn't let me do it. Yeah, and then you get to go to like the there's like one meeting a year you get to go to that's pretty cool or something yeah. like that. Pretty cool. I mean, your wife was is, is a Patriots fan. Semi Patriots fan. Patriots fan. Yeah. Her her and sports aren't exactly like an actual thing. Well, I just <laughs> remember. We had a pretty good feud going on there for quite a few Super Bowls. Oh yeah, I mean, no doubt. When he who shall not be named was playing on a certain te- on a, yeah playing on their team. Yeah. Voldemort. Voldemort. Oh wait, no, it's Tom. Don't say it. If you say if you say it, he'll appear. Brady. <laughs> come, now he's going to come out of retirement. Great. He's going to come out of retirement and play for the Browns now. I thought it was going to be the Raiders. <laughs> It'll be the Raiders, yeah. He's going to come back and play for the Raiders. Right. Him and Jimmy Garoppolo get yeah. back together. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo and Rob Gronkowski is going to come out of retirement. and Who else? Uh, Antonio Brown. That's just Terrell Owens. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> anyway, this uh, this episode of ESPN. No. <clears throat> So what, what's been up with you? What's, what's been going on? Nothing's too much changed since our last episode. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we're trying to be more consistent. Trying to be faithful. <laughs> trying to be disciplined. Trying to be disciplined. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Um, I've turned 29 and my daughter's turned three. That's pretty yeah. much the biggest new news. Yeah. Yeah. You're officially the oldest guy in the room. <laughs> Been the oldest guy in the house, like <laughs> whenever it's just us for a long yeah. time now. Yeah, life's almost over. It's just halfway there. You need to buy a boat. No, that's what people do when they turn thirty, which you're approaching. Oh, it's my midlife crisis. That's your midlife crisis. Yeah, you got to buy a boat. Mm. No timeshare. No, <laughs> no timeshare. No timeshare. Mm. You gotta do something extravagant for, I mean, 30. 30 is right there. Rental property? <laughs> Not quite as extreme and risky as I was kind of looking at. But. 
but a with, time... the, with the way that some people are with Reynolds <laughs> well, nowadays. Good, good point. Good point. You see, a, a timeshare is an investment. See, you can pass it down to your kids. Oh. Yeah. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. Yeah. You can just deed it over to them. I can just deed it over just to them. deed it over to your kids. Yep. I could do that with the rental property too. Yeah. But think of all the fun and family vacations you can halfway afford. With the time <laughs> halfway <share>. afford. <laughs> You're really cheap housing. Uh, I mean, yeah. For like four weeks out of the year. <laughs> if that. <laughs> I mean, but it's those four weeks that you can really have memories. Yeah. In the dead of winter. <laughs> Might as when well go pay to have like a unlimited cruise. Yeah, when everything is closed, everything's closed down. Hey, that's an idea. Maybe we should go talk to cruise ships and instead of like doing timeshares for cabins. Like timeshare. You know, I bet there's someone that's probably done that. I'm gonna have to look at that now. Someone has to be on that bandwagon, right? And but I'd rather do a timeshare on a cruise ship than I would for like cabins. True. <laughs> So we went we went to two timeshare. Well, did I tell you what happened on the, the last timeshare thing? Mm-mm. Okay, so we went to oh, two. Yeah. Well, maybe. Okay, so we went to two. And the first one, um, they were really nice. Yeah. But anyway, they like slid the paper across and um You almost signed it. No, no, I wasn't <laughs> even close. I saw the price tag and was like <clears throat> I was like <laughs> I was like, I can't afford that. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, let's work on the price. And they just kept whittling it down, whittling it down. And I was like, yeah, we're just not going to do that. Yeah. Well, anyway, we got some cheap tickets to go to some shows in Branson. And we had to do another timeshare thing. And they kicked us out of oh, the timeshare. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did I tell you about you that? You told me about that one. They kicked us out of the timeshare. Because you I had Declan like, with you? Yeah. I wasn't, like, upset. But it was pretty crazy. You're supposed to silence yourself. It is on silent, but for some reason it's still ringing. <laughs> it's buzzing annoyingly. Right. At least I heard it over the headphones, so maybe it's yeah. on there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. But what about you? What's new with you, Colton? Well, I'm officially a pastor now. Not an interim pastor, so that's pretty cool. You're always a pastor in my heart, in Colton. My heart, I appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it. There is one. It's one person's heart. Everyone else is just a guy. <laughs> So I mean, that's technically you were a youth pastor before you too. were the interim, so you were already there. It's true. But are youth pastors real pastors? I'm just kidding. For all youth pastors out there. Oh you went on oh. But I wrote so I don't know if you've ever read Youth Ministry That Lasts a Lifetime. Uh-huh. By something Ross. Anyway, great book. And he puts in there about how he he was a youth pastor and he was in a dis- discussion. Mm-hmm. with a pastor. He said, this is a real conversation. And he said, so do you pastor? He said, I'm a youth pastor. He said, so you're not a real pastor. And he was like, are you serious? <laughs> and he's like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But yeah, that's I had. That's why I had to say that. That's because somebody doesn't understand the whole role of elder. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, but, but that's really cool excited for you the vote was pretty one-sided too so yeah everyone wanted me out but i stuck it out yeah (laughs) 
No, it was good. So I'm excited for this next phase in uh, in ministry and uh, see where God's leading us. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited for that path to see where we're going. New sermon series in First Samuel. So First Samuel, yeah. some historical narrative is what we'll be going through. Mm-hmm. Finished Ephesians. I think I say that five times fast. <laughs> Finished uh-huh. Ephesians. Yeah, that was good. Got one of the epistles done. One epistle. Now you just have to preach through the whole New Testament before you retire. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You John got- MacArthur started at like 16. I believe you. And he's 120, so <laughs> he had like 100 years to do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm already, I'm done. Nah, so what we'll just do is what old pastors used to do is we'll have you preach Sunday morning. We'll start it. Sunday night thing. We'll even throw in another midweek service in there. <laughs> I mean, granted, this is something that they used to do all the time. Yeah, they used to do it all the time. You're right. Yeah. And most of them died young. <laughs> and death at 32. <laughs> you want to mix in like a revival, tent revival or two in there? <laughs> oh. Hey, I mean, Billy Graham made it that long, so... <laughs> Billy Graham... Yeah, he only had to preach one sermon every six months, you know. He had it under his belt. <laughs> but, hey, he got to see the world doing it. <laughs> this, is true. this is true. Not a bad gig. Not a bad gig. So, <clears throat> what are we talking about today? <laughs> We're going back to spiritual disciplines. We got two more episodes, essentially... Yeah, two more episodes. We'll kind of do today learning about journaling and the importance of learning and using these two together. Even though journaling is typically or is technically not found in scripture. This is true. But learning definitely. What about journal learning? Journal learning? Journal learning. Where did you come up with that? From my mistake a few minutes ago before we started the podcast. (laughs) Uh, yeah, and then next week we'll finally do a review of the whole shebang that's taken us like a year to do. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> and then essentially do what chapter 13 says and talk about why we should persevere <laughs> through it all. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've made it to the end, you have persevered. <laughs> if you persevered by putting up with us <laughs> this long. <laughs> yeah, if you've made it to the end. The perseverance of the saints is true. And then, honestly, we have no direction on where we're going next. I got an idea. Some things run by you. Okay. Cool. So, I don't have to come up with it this time. No, I, I got some I got some new ideas. All um, right. Sounds great. Studying Leviticus, maybe. You're really on that one today. Yeah, yeah I quoted it today. <laughs> you did. I did, yeah. It always feels good. You know, there's some days where I'm up there in the crow's nest and we'll get off this rabbit trail. And like, there's sometimes where you're going through your reference notes. It's like, I don't think you actually touched on that one. So like you hit Leviticus today and technically on the bulletin, you said it was going to be after Genesis, but you did it before Genesis. (laughs) Yeah, I got lost in my notes. I'm going to be brutally honest there. So yeah, I got lost in my notes. So trying something new. Well, not new. I'm just trying to get to stretch myself out a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm trying to do notes, not full manuscripts. 
because last week I did a manuscript or did full, just full or partial notes. And I felt really good. Mm-hmm. It's a little tough for me when you start a book, though, because like your full manuscript is like your crutch. Right. So I've been under conviction to stretch and not rely on that crutch as much. Yeah. And I definitely lost. I looked up and I was like, yep, supposed to touch on that before. So, but anyway, we're going to mm-hmm. circle right back around to that because we'll get, we'll get to it in the next verse. Yeah. And I just like, came back to it. <laughs> I know it's time consuming, but the way I do it is I will write out my full manuscript, mm-hmm. but then to help me memorize it more is I'll actually prep, prepare it into sermon notes. <laughs> well, that's what I did. So I did manuscript uh, and then I sectioned out what I thought I needed from the manuscript, but I forgot some things. It happens. Yeah. I did. There's just no excuse. Oh, uh, no, there that. is absolutely every excuse. <laughs> it, was, it was simply just some guy not looking at his notes properly. Right. But it's neat being in the Old Testament because you can quote all the books that no one else has read. Quote all the books no, no one else has read. Deuteronomy, Leviticus. <laughs> I got both those. I just got done reading those, actually. Yeah, and I actually like, I actually like Leviticus. I know it gets a little monotonous, but there's some really, really neat sacrificial stuff in there. Yeah, some very important parts. It's very important parts, especially when it comes towards pointing towards Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you realize, so going back to this, when I was a first a, a new little baby Christian. Little B, baby Christian. I was reading Job. Okay. No seminary education, uh-huh. nothing. Just me and a Bible. I didn't think I was in church yet. So I was just sitting there writing, not on my Bible because I'm not a heretic, but I was writing and that was a joke. <laughs> I was writing on my little notebook. Uh, well, actually, no, I had sticky notes at this time. So I had my little sticky note and I put it in my Bible and I put it on there and Job uh, I think it's in Job 41, where he talks about, don't you, don't you. highlight in my Bible. <laughs> this is preserved. <sighs> and I wrote, I think it's in Job 41, it's in 41 or 38, I can't necessarily remember, where he talks about having your hand. He says, uh, God is not a man that, or, the, or who shall intercede for us and have his hand upon God and have his hand upon me and intercede between us or be an umpire between us. And I remember writing on my little sticky note and I said, a question mark, you know, this is, I believe this is a reference to Christ and I highlighted it and I came back to it and I remember coming back to that and studying it for that very purpose. Mm-hmm. But I used journaling. Right. I journaled what I thought that verse was talking about. Yeah. Well, and even <clears throat> thinking about something like that, during Sunday school class today, we're talking about the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. and Lennon kind of had an int- interesting idea about when it comes to the times of confession and repenting of sin that's in your life before you take the Lord's Supper. He was like, you know what? Maybe I should start kind of writing down like what I'm confessing of beforehand. And when the next time the Lord's Supper comes around, see if those are still Mm. struggles of sin that I have in my life. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's, kind of what we're going to go or in my head i'm thinking that's what we're going to talk about during the podcast here at some point (laughs) yeah that's true i mean i mean journaling is not it 
it's a discipline that I, I could say that I, I probably started off really strong with. Um, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I started off really good with journaling, and I've gotten away from it, and I've tried picking it back up here recently. But when I was a young Christian, I journaled a lot. I journaled a lot. I can say I have never really journaled a ton. The only time I did any writing for that was for education. <laughs> <laughs> The thing, or sermons. So I didn't have, yeah, it was before I had a study Bible. Before I had a study Bible. And I even while I had a study Bible, I had a specific notebook. And I remember I would read, wake up in the morning and I'd read my verses. Mm-hmm. And then I would, maybe you can call it journaling, maybe like transcribe. I would basically summarize what I thought those verses were saying. Mm-hmm. And I'd write them down. And then I would come back to them the next day. And I'd either stare at them and go, what in the world were you thinking? I mean, that's not at all. There was a few times where I was like, that's not even. What? Was I even reading this verse? And but but it helped me to go through God's word a lot slower and precise and to dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really great for memorizing. It's really great for memorizing and, and, and really dwelling on his word. So what exactly is journaling? I guess we should really start with that. I mean, is it essentially like keeping a diary? I mean, kind of. I think kind of, yeah. I'm going to ask you since you're more well, of the expert. I'm not an expert <laughs> by any means. But yeah, I think journaling is flowing your thoughts of scripture Onto, into written words. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be like a diary. Yeah. And I mean, not even just, I think just saying it's flowing of thoughts of scripture down. I mean, it's important to keep track of your prayer life in it too, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Um, or I know there's some pastors who, We'll keep a little notebook around with them because while they're going through daily life, oh my goodness, this is a great illustration I can use for Sunday. It's a good idea. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, but. I just usually pay for the. I have a subscription. I just pay for those <laughs> illustrations. <laughs> but they're important to come through sometimes. I mean, journaling is something that isn't just specifically for quiet study times it's something that can take a part of whenever you need a second mm-hmm. i think i like how uh john whitney put it it it, it can stoke spontaneous it can be a, a, a stoke spontaneous devotional mm. where yeah. you something happens in your life and it causes you to think of god and to dwell on it and so you write it down you know, I saw God move in this and this and this way. And this is what he happened. And even though it's just, he says, it, even though it's like spontaneous devotional, it can you can be devotional thoughts or it can be lengthy theological musings. And those can be preserved. So you can actually look back on what God has done in, in your life or other people's lives that you've witnessed. And you can say, you know, you're going through that deep, dark time of depression. Mm-hmm. You can reach back and you could say, but I remember how I watched God 
work in this way because it's so easy for us in the moment to think, me, oh me, you know, poor me, God's not using me, I've never, nothing good ever happens to me, have the Eeyore mentality. In reality, you know, we're just going through a deep, dark spell and God's used us. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, Don Whitney's definition is, a journal is a place, tangible or digital, in which a person holds records or in which a person records information important to him or her personally for preservation or consideration. Gets to point towards some things, for instance. I mean, we've said a couple. It says, as a Christian, your journal is a place to document the works and ways of God in your life. Mm-hmm. Your journal also can include an account of daily events, a record of personal relationships, a notebook of insights into scripture, and or a list of prayer requests. Spontaneous devotional thoughts or lengthy theological musings can be preserved there. I like <clears throat> what uh, uh, Maurice Roberts um, writes here. It says, The logic of this practice is inevitable once men have felt the urge to become molded in, the, in heart and life to the pattern of Christ. No one will keep a record of his inward groans, fears, sins, experiences, providences, and aspirations unless he is convinced of the value of the practice for his own spiritual progress. It was this very conviction which made it a commonplace practice in earlier times. We suggest the practice should be revived and something needs to be said in its defense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's times where I definitely feel like I need to do better about it because it's definitely something, a way not to just think on how God has moved in your life, but actually written evidence of the ways which God has moved in your life. Yeah, it's it's a way that you can observe the patterns in your own life and how God has moved. Right, especially when we think in Scripture, like King David. Mm-hmm. You look at some of the psalms he's written. Do you think at the time he actually made them think that they were going to be psalms written in Scripture? Or yeah. Or were they actually just musings of what's God doing in his own life? Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't think he wrote down, I'm like, oh, this is going to be Scripture. <laughs> Psalm 142. Yeah, I don't think he actually knew that, you know. Right. But it was that, that contrite a broken heart or the joyous heart or victorious heart or even lamentations or lamentations you know there was a brokenness or something he he was documenting how god was moving in his life and pleading which goes on oh i'm gonna i might jump ahead a little bit but mm-hmm. writing that down journaling can help you in your prayers i mean josiah pratt which Donald Whitney quotes is the practice of keeping a diary would promote vigilance. The lives of many are spent at a sort of hazard. They fall into certain religious habits and are perhaps under no strong temptations. They are regular at church and sacrament and in family worship. They read the Bible and pray daily in secret, but here it ends. They know little of the progress or decline of the inner man. They are Christians. They're off of very low attainments. The workings of sin are not noticed as they should be. And therefore, grace is not sought against them. 
and the denial emotions of grace are not noticed and therefore not fostered and cultivated. Mm-hmm. Now, a diary would have a tendency to raise the standard to such persons by exciting vigilance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it stirs, it stirs something up within you, that vigilance. Last week, I had I'll just a little peer into my own devotional life and in preparation we were ending Ephesians uh, we were ending the book of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6 and you know it's, the end of Ephesians chapter 6 is focused on prayer and praying Paul's asking them to pray for him and and so on and so forth and I became so overwhelmed with the thought of prayer that I went to go reach for the valley of visions and it was like God slapping my hand and he was like don't reach for that and so I just grabbed a piece of paper and a pen and I just poured out my heart in a prayer. And uh, I read that prayer for several days and I thought, man, you know, this captured how I was feeling in that moment. And it was comforting and very resourceful. And I was probably one of the, it, it meant so much more than so many of the other prayers that I so casually say in my life. And when we look at something as beautiful as the Valley of Visions, we think that the Puritans just simply knew what they were doing. This was These were their devotionals. This was their journaling. Mm-hmm. They journaled their prayers down. Yeah. And Edmund S. Morgan cites on an entry from the journal of a man during, who had died during an illness during the 1600s. He says, The fact that many Puritans kept diaries of this kind helps to explain their pursuit of social virtue. Diaries were the reckoning books in which they checked the assets and liabilities of their souls in faith. Mm-hmm. When they opened these books, they set down lapses of morality with appropriate expressions of repentance and balance them against the evidences of faith. Cotton Mather made a point of having at least one good action to set down in his diary on every day of the week. Hmm. Used appropriately instead of drawing us more into ourselves, a journal can actually become a means of propelling us into action for others. Yeah. When you can reflect upon those words, and it's like a, a well where you can draw strength and courage you know it's it's like dwelling on your thoughts it's easy to pour out your heart and then forget it but when you're continually dwelling on it day and day and day you open your journal and there it is you're rereading your thoughts from yesterday oh man i didn't say man i, I didn't share the gospel with 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 that guy at work and i said i was going to today man i really need to mm-hmm. make an effort of that or uh, man, I've really been struggling with that with that sin, and man, I struggle with it yesterday. I still struggle with that today. <sighs> you know, how am I going to beat this? Yeah, you know, you you actually take time to reflect. Yeah, and keeping in line with that reflection, it's not just scripture, as James say, that we use as a mirror to the Word of God, but journaling can be a means that helps be that mirror mm-hmm. for us. I think that's what. He says, you know, yeah, yeah. the the journal can be a mirror in the hands of the Holy Spirit in which he reveals his perspective on our attitudes, thoughts, words, and actions. Since we will be held accountable for each of these at judgment, evaluating them by any means is wisdom. You know, we we dredge up 
our sins and display them in front of us. And it's not someone else's sins that we're reading. We're not reading a biography of someone distant. We're reading our biography. We're reading our sins. We're reading our struggles. And uh, we have to get our hands around that. <clears throat> yeah. In fact, that's like one of the things that kind of points me out or is pointing out to me is like when I'm sitting alone or like bored to do hmm. and my phone is somewhere near him, you know what the first thing I do is? Jump on Facebook. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's... Yep. So my wife got on me like three times during the sermon today because that's what I was doing. <laughs> and finally, like, I was just getting finally frustrated for myself. I tossed my phone by. <laughs> just threw it away. Yeah, I just threw it away. I'm done. But I'm like, how in the world is there a way for me to actually do better at listening and being attentive? Mm. And maybe one of the ways is finally actually journaling mm-hmm. and listening to the sermon and taking notes, but at the same time, like using that to help express thoughts and stuff. You know, that's a good, that's a good thing to think about is, um, maybe it's a rabbit trail, but I, I think it's a good rabbit, um, journaling when you're reading scripture, but re- journaling when you're listening to a sermon. Right. <laughs> I'll tell the story because I don't think anyone will know. But <laughs> um, names have been removed from the circumstances. I was told of a pastor. Fred. <laughs> Fred. <laughs> Fred, I'm sorry. No. Um, I was told of a pastor who uh, a buddy of mine was talking with another person, and they said, Bob. you know. <laughs> yeah, Bob. He said, he said wow, that, that sermon was really good. And uh, my friend looked at him and said, you realize he's preached that sermon multiple times. And he looked at him and he said, what do you mean? He says he's preached that one sermon the last three times he's preached. And he's like, what do you mean? He was like, it's about this and this and this. Yeah. He's like, I can recite the sermon without even looking at it. But what was he, I mean, you know, you think, oh, but it shows how little we pay attention sometimes. And honesty, sometimes we aren't actually listening to the words um, we listen to the big keywords, you know, cross, atonement, you know, sacrifice, repent, believe, you know. Hellfire. Uh, hellfire. I'm talking about you. You know, you listen to those things, but you don't ever stop. Okay, so what is he saying here? And so if you're journaling, you know, I would, I used to do that sometimes, you know, not necessarily journaling, but taking notes during a sermon. Um, there's something I disagreed with. Um, I had done that several times previous church i had actually underlined the word and crossed it and circled it and went back and studied that and was like no i don't agree with this <clears throat> and uh not saying you should do that to your pastors but i'm saying you should no i definitely have to <laughs> no, you definitely have to but i'm saying as you study you should you know what are they saying mm-hmm. um evaluating what they're saying are they is it truth are they confronting me about something you know your inflection can go up and your hand motions can get really elaborate, but what are the words that are coming out of my mouth and how adequate are they? Yeah. I mean, it's not even just a time of listening to the sermon, but it's actually giving you a chance to meditate on mm. what's being said and make the connections for yourself and scripture. 
mm-hmm. and in your prayer life. I mean, if you if the sermon is good enough for Sunday, then it should be good enough for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. <clears throat> yeah, um, I've ran into where I've heard a person say that they didn't want to worship during Sunday service and they'd rather go help out someplace else because they're like, I can feed myself. Mm. I don't, I don't have to be fed during the Sunday service Mm. and said that they were a mature enough believer for that. And uh, I've been told somebody has said that to another person, I guess is the better way to put that. Mm. Mm. But sometimes it just shows me it's like, man, you're missing the whole point of what <laughs> the yeah. service really is if you're saying that. Yeah, I don't need to be ministered to. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Smells like a little bit of pride there. So, but in those instances, it this really gives you a chance to grow <clears throat> when you're journaling, when you're studying, but is it just good for an object of learning? I mean, well, it's kind of getting into the next chapter is like, but journaling is a great way to make sure that you're learning of faith. It is. Yeah. And I want to just, I think the, the importance of journaling and why it is the way it is. I think Don Whitney does a wonderful job, but I think for me, the, the point that he brings up the most about journaling is it helps in meditation of the word. Now, mm-hmm. it, I don't know if you're like me, but I am a very, what is it called? I have to write things down to retain them. Like, if you, you tell me something, I'll get it. If I write it down, I probably won't forget it. I don't even have to look at the paper. But if I write it down, that's why when I'm listening to sermons, I would write it down. When I'm listening to when I'm studying. Mm-hmm. I don't leave it in my head. I, I'm always making notes. And that's when sermon you know, doesn't quite count for journaling here. But I'm always making notes because it helps in the meditation. And... <clears throat> I think Don Whitney puts it well here when he says, I read the tale of a New England man convinced that nowhere in the world was fog any thicker than at his coastal home. Once while roofing his house, he claimed to be in a cloud so dense that he unknowingly continued on past the edge of the roof, shingle off into the fog. Without pen in the hand, I can get so distracted in meditation that I begin tacking one unrelated thought to another until I'm shingling off into the fog of daydreams instead of thinking in the light of scripture. The discipline of writing down my meditations in my journal helps me to concentrate. And that resonated with me because that is me. You know, I'll start sitting there writing something down and I'll want to know, for instance, I'll I'll recall the first Samuel, I'll be journaling kind of like sermon prep. And I guess you can say my sermon prep is kind of a form of journaling. I'll be writing it down, and I'll think of Elkanah, and I'm like, Elkanah, well, what does the name mean? Well, I want, to, and then I'll chase a, for 30 minutes. I'll chase a rabbit trail on Elkanah, and then I'm like, well, that does that matter? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter at all. No, I need to get back to the text. Okay, what does it say? You know, but I'm in my thought process, and I'm going, 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 and I look back at my journal, and I haven't written anything down because I'm chasing an irrelevant rabbit. Right. It's like, oh. Oh, I need to go back. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but how does journaling not just help you mentally grow, but emotionally? Mm-hmm. Well, I think 
going back to that valley of vision, it pushes us to, it, well, it pushes me. I can, I can use me as an example. It pushes me to get out of my spiritual rut of the same mundane words and vocabulary. Mm-hmm. God, you're so great. God, you're so good. You know, let me thank you for this food. Amen. No, <clears throat> there's something about writing where your, where my thoughts are more free flowing. Mm-hmm. I'm not pressed. I can sit there and dwell on what I want the next word to be, and I can be more eloquent. Um, I can be more eloquent with my words. I feel like it, it pushes my feelings. It captures my feelings. A lot better instead of saying, Lord, you're great. Mm-hmm. Lord, you're so majestic. Right. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to do what Psalm 62 <clears throat> 8 says pour out your heart before him. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think even um, <clears throat> journaling about what the Lord has done in your life, I think that helps and expresses your thoughts and feelings because you can look back at those seasons and changes in your life. Maybe we're in your spiritual highs, spiritual lows. Um, you can see those patterns in your life where I might be in a mount, you know, in, in the valley, but I can see that God has worked previously. I know that he, I've been in darker places before. Wow, I didn't realize, you know, you look back two years ago, wow, I didn't realize I was in that big and dark of a place. I mean, we've said, talked about this guy, but David Brainerd, mm. when he goes back to him quite a bit, mm. here's an entry from him on the Lord's Day. Uh, December 16th of 1744. Was so overwhelmed with dejection that I knew not how to live. I longed for death exceedingly. My soul was sunk into deep waters and the floods were ready to drown me. I was so much oppressed that my soul was in a kind of horror. I could not keep my thoughts fixed in prayer for the space of one minute without fluttering and distraction. It made me exceedingly ashamed that I did not live to God. I had no distressing doubt about my own state, but I would have cheerfully ventured, as far as I could possibly know, into eternity. While I was going to preach to the Indians, my soul was in anguish. I was so overborne with discouragement that I despaired of doing any good and was driven to my wit's end. I knew nothing what to say, nor what course to take. And then you, you look at that, right? And then a few months later. Oh, it's a year and two months later. Oh, is it a year and month? Well, not a year. Two yeah. months. It's a year. And, oh, February. you're right. Two months. <laughs> December. The Lord's Day, February yeah. 17th, 1745. I think I was scarce ever enabled to offer the free grace of God to perishing sinners with more freedom and plainness in my life. Afterwards, I was enabled earnestly to invite the children of God to come renewedly and drink of its fountain of the water of water of life from whence they have hitherto derived unspeakable satisfaction. It was a very comfortable time for me. There were many tears in the assembly and I doubt not that the spirit of God was there convincing poor sinners of their need of Christ. In the evening, I felt composed and comfortable though much tired. I had some sweet sense of excellency and glory of God and my soul rejoiced that he was God over all blessed forever. But was too much crowded with company and conversation and longed to be more alone with God. Oh, that I could forever bless God for the mercy of this day who answered me in the joy of my heart. 
you could capture in someone as infamous, famous as as David Brainerd, who, I mean, talk about spiritual highs and spiritual lows. I mean, you can capture your your thoughts, your feelings, and your emotions so more eloquently instead of flashing back a few years and going, yeah, that did suck, didn't it? Huh. Yeah. It kind of allows you to see a better instance of where you're growing, not just spiritually Mm -hmm. and physically, but how emotionally you're getting better along too. And in my experience, I'm not a very eloquent person, so I can express my thoughts a lot freer in when I ri- when I write them down than when I say them. Because you could summarize what David Brainerd said there very easily. You know, today sucked. You know, December 16th, 1744, today sucked. I feel worthless. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if that was a prayer in your personal life, what would it have said? I don't know. Probably would have sounded like that. Lord, I feel pretty pitiful right now. But he can express it so much. He can capture the state of his soul a lot more eloquent. Yeah. How? Let's see. We talked about how it helps us grow mentally. Mm-hmm. How it, it helps us grow spiritually. And how it can help to keep track of what God's doing in our life and emotionally. But how does it help in following goals and priorities? I mean, those goals and priorities kind of tie back to all four of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, when when you've written it down and you've, again, when you can actually reach back and you grab something tangible that you've actually written down, you can evaluate things like, how has my prayer life been? Yeah. Have I been? You know, I said that I was going to pray. I feel like I've prayed so many days this week. I've prayed two? You know, I, I really, I said I'm going to read my Bible every day. I've read it three times this week. Oh, man. I, man, I said I'm going to pray for hours. And I prayed for 30 minutes all week. You know, you can you can actually reach back and you can you can grab something and you can keep yourself disciplined. You know, you can... Keep yourself accountable. You can keep yourself accountable. Um, you can you can look back at at things that have happened in your life and say, you know, I got that big promotion. Man, I didn't thank God enough for that. Right. That, you're right. That did happen. I need I need to go back to God on that. You know, what do I need to do to the day? What do I need for to do for the day? Oh, have I prayed over that? You know, it was Martin Luther who who said. Uh, with all this stuff to do today, I don't know how I'm going to have enough time to do it. How many hours I have to spend in prayer. Yeah. Or we think about, um, let's think about Moses and Joshua, Joshua for a second. I mean, first thing that God commands them to do is read the the word of the law Mm -hmm. daily for Joshua. And how would he have gotten that without Moses Mm -hmm. or God? Yeah. There was a written something there. Yeah. Which, bringing up another point, kind of along that lines, is our journaling can help us to teach. Yeah. Maybe essentially what we're doing with David Brainerd's journal. Yeah. Essentially what we're doing with Puritan's works. 
in the Valley of Vision. In the Valley of Visions. Um, Essentially what we're, the whole Rid- book of the Bible is. Rid- yes, the, I mean, Partly good point. Is, but. It's a good, uh, I mean, I read Andrew Fuller's uh, biography. Same mm-hmm. thing, where you have excerpts from him, you know, recalling on his ministry. Where you can look back and go, wow, he was fighting some battles. Mm-hmm. He was fighting some really tough battles. You look at Spurgeon. You know, and you you can look back and go, man, he was really fighting some tough stuff at that at that moment. Uh, 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 George Mueller, you look back and go, wow, that's crazy. So what you're telling me is that once a year you need at least to read one commentary, <laughs> I think one important. devotional, <laughs> one biography. <laughs> no, I'm saying once a week you should be like, I mean, if your name is Albert Moeller, that's like three weeks. <laughs> Oh, I wish I had that much time. Oh, my goodness. That man's crazy. But maybe we're only scoffing at this because we haven't disciplined ourselves enough mm-hmm. to do that. You might be onto something. <laughs> but also, it keeps track of your sins. Yeah. Let's be honest about it. I mean, if you notice, I mean, you confess your sins, yes, but how do you know unless you just have a stellar memory. Um, you know, you keep committing that same sin over and over and over again. You realize, you look to your track record, and you go, man, I keep committing this same sin, and I've tried this, this, and this, and this on these days, and it's not working. I need something else. Mm-hmm. If we don't reflect upon that, how are we supposed to grow? You know, we're going to the same watering hole, expecting different results, and that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, you can look at what you've done today. Have I... Have I spoken words of encouragement? Have I lifted someone up? Have I broken someone down? Have I been rude? You know, how have I been in my study? You can really track your emotions and how your life has been. Maybe it can even convict you that you've not been journaling. Yeah. <laughs> or convict you enough that you haven't been podcasting enough. Or that. That's a good point. See yeah. what you did there? See Considering there was like, I didn't realize it until we did last time, but there was like a three-month gap where we yeah. didn't do anything. Yeah, it was a rough three months. But I guess this is another form of journaling, whether we think about it or not. Oh. More like in the I don't twilight know. zone. I don't know if I would, if somebody would qualify it as that, but. It's, I mean, like it's, a, it's like breaking through a wall right there. It's a mind-blowing moment where mind both of our heads are just blown off the top right now. We're doing journaling with our words. And they're being recorded. And they're being recorded. And some poor sucker's <laughs> listening to this. And then they're learning Dang. through it, hopefully. Let's not, let's not push it. <laughs> But learning. <laughs> but I like what A.W. Tozer says here. He says, we must face the fact that many today are notoriously careless in their living. Mm. This attitude finds its way into the church. We have liberty. We have money. We live in comparative luxury. As a result, discipline practically has disappeared. What would a violin solo sound like if the strings on the musician, musician's instrument were all hanging loose, not stretched tight, not Discipline. I may have told this story before, but I think it was one of the most convicting moments of my life. Is I 
heard it was a friend of mine at the time mentioned how they weren't very deep in the word. And they'd been a Christian for quite a while. And they said, well, I'm just on that milk. You know, I haven't, I haven't reached to the solid foods yet. Um, in my mind, it flashed to Hebrews where he mentions that. And I was like, you know, that's not a good thing. That's actual judgment. That's not promotion. Mm-hmm. Oh, we shouldn't elevate the fact that we're not learning God's word. We should be remorseful if we don't know it very well. Um, you know, we should never say at one point, I'm just, I'm, I'm just an immature Christian. No, <laughs> you need to grow. Right. I mean, we think we like to quote this quite a bit. If you look at Second Timothy chapter three, we like to talk about all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay, there's that training in righteousness mm-hmm. that's important. But what does the last half of seventeen say? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, obviously in Second Timothy, a Christian has to learn because there's teaching, there's reproof, there's correction, and training or righteousness. Mm-hmm. All four of those are learning aspects. There's mm-hmm. no just listening in regards to those. Training in righteousness. Disciplining yourself in righteousness. And how are you supposed to do that if you're not progressing or learning well, how does sanctification work if you don't? Yeah, maybe look at, um, you know, we just finished uh, Ephesians, but um, the sword of the spirit. Do you pick up a sword and know how to use it? Well, I could try. But... You could try. You might wound yourself, you know, but it takes time to master how to use a sword. Um it takes time to learn to master the word of God. Just you shouldn't pick it up one day and expect to be a master at it. You should want to grow and continue to further your training. Right. And that learning should be for the purpose of godliness, not for the sake of just learning or for pride or for pride. Because there's a lot of people in this world, and maybe, perhaps, most of them are reformed, (laughs) where we think that head knowledge equates to knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, we look to Proverbs 18.15. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So... An intelligent heart acquires knowledge. Therefore, persons should always be learning. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is another instance of where journaling comes in. What are you learning? Mm-hmm. Where are you gaining that you didn't know years back? Yeah. But it's not only just that. It says the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. How are you actively seeking it out? Not just acquiring it, but seeking it. I mean, it's almost to the point of where you think of the parable. 
right? Of where it talks about a man who finds buried treasure in a field. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be the person who finds that buried treasure of knowledge and then goes and seeks to find out the whole field? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that that's not what that parable is talking about. It's just an illustration I'm taking. <laughs> the message translation. Keep going. <laughs> This is the Batisti rendition. Or the passion <laughs> translation. You're just passionate about what you're saying. Go for yes. it. <laughs> but I mean, it, work, it works in the same way. While in that instance, it's talking about finding Christ and finding a relationship with God, which mm-hmm. granted, Proverbs says, all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But in finding that, this person finds his life with Christ and wants to give all to it mm-hmm. just to buy that field. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing in regards to that? Yeah. Putting that to use in our own lives. Proverbs chapter nine, verse nine says, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in his learning. Righteous man. Yeah, righteous. Kind of like you're saying a righteous man. Someone who's is putting what God has done, the work that God has started in their life to work. Or when Don Whitney says here, if absolutely forced to have only one or the other, we must choose. Sorry, let me back up. I didn't realize when I started this quote, it was going to be in the middle of another quote. This was really good. Um, it says, why do we seem to think we must choose between the two? Referring to, anyway, I'm going to go on. Why do we have to choose between the two? Why do Christians live as though they've been told, choose you this day whom you may serve, scholarship or devotion? I maintain that a biblical balanced Christian has both a full head and a full heart, radiating both spiritual light and heat. I like that, and heat. If absolutely forced to have only one or the other, we must choose the burning heart. If we have the truth in our head, but our hearts are not right with God, an awareness of the truth will only magnify our guilt before him at the judgment. But if we have properly responded to the gospel from the heart, in the end we shall be saved, even though the rest of our doctrinal understanding is shallow or muddy. Not only would I choose that option for myself, but I would prefer that for those I pastor as well. It is much harder to get a ship out of the harbor than to correct one on the sea that has drifted off course. All the knowledge that we have and the illumination we have does no good if we're not using it and it is not radiating everywhere else rc sproul god has made us with a harmony of heart and head of thought and action the more we know him the more we are able to love him the more we love him the more we seek to know him to be central in our hearts he must be foremost in our minds religious thought is the prerequisite to religious affection and obedient action you can't have one and it, I think he hits on something really beautiful there because I know a lot of Christians that have a lot of head knowledge and their hands are clean. They won't get down and help. They won't do anything. I know a lot of Christians who would rather use their Bible as a sword to stab and run someone through than they would use it as a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. Right. I mean, thinking of your sermon today, think of Eli. Mm. first thing he thinks of when he sees Hannah is not that she's distraught in prayer 
but she's drunk. <laughs> You've been drinking too much. You need to go back home, sleep it off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he knew the word of God. God had spoken to him before. You know, it's a little silent at the time, but <laughs> but he had spoken to him. He knew he knew what what that looked like and did no good. Absolutely. I mean, it did Israel no good. Did Israel no good? Well, it inevitably do him and his family no good either. Yeah. Or, you, <clears throat> I mean, you think of Pharisees during the New Testament with Jesus Christ. Yeah. One of the times where you see a lot of head knowledge, but they don't understand what sacrifice means. No, they don't understand what sacrifice means. And, I mean, you look at the apostles, you know, it's easy for us to look at Peter think, man, that guy had it all figured out after the resurrection. You know, he must have just had a perfect theology and just been running around. No, he was still fumbling around doing the same Peter stuff. But he wasn't scared to get his hands dirty. He wasn't scared to get in there and, and broadcast a light to the point that sometimes he got himself in trouble. Like when the Apostle Paul stood up and corrected him. Mm-hmm. But he was moving. He didn't have to have all his his T's crossed and dies audited and everything everything shored up. He put his legs to action and carried the gospel instead of speculating his navel about the gospel. Man, it's kinda hard. Mainly the time it's just sitting back and reflecting during all this because it's hard to talk about it without thinking okay where am I falling in line with these things like it's almost as if when you're going into a sermon like you're trying to preach to yourself the whole time too yeah or do you take the time to preach to yourself when you're writing a sermon or teaching a lesson yeah how calloused is your heart I mentioned today how calloused your heart is you know, and talking about pain and despair, but talking about the word of God too, which is the perfect sandpaper for anyone's calloused heart. It uh, does. Can you read your journal and your devotion and have no effect upon you? Um, you know, and if it does, has the word of God lost its efficacy in your life? Is it, Ooh, you used a big word. I did, yeah. <laughs> I was reading a thesaurus. No. But just kind of, Take a second. What is efficacy? (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Has it lost its potency? Yeah. Has it lost its enabling ability in your life? You know, is when you look at the word of God, can you look at it? Yeah. You know, it has no effect on me. I can read, I can read first Samuel and uh, feel no emotion from the way Hannah wept. I'm just using that because it's really fresh in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just talked about it today. Or, I mean, if, if, if that's the case, if I can read Hannah pouring out her soul in the situation that she's in and it has no effect upon me, has the word of God lost its potency or has my heart become so calloused that it no longer works? Mm-hmm. You know, the word of God is unchanging, so... <laughs> My heart has become calloused and I need to cleanse it. I need to clear it. Then I need to dwell. And if I was journaling, I might reflect upon how I read that and it didn't impact my heart the way it does now. And I could see a moment of, 
of of callous in my life, and I could learn from that 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 God is good and merciful. Now, granted, let's keep in mind too in these moments of callousness. Yeah, it's good to still keep pushing through and persevering, as we'll talk about next yeah. week. But God also uses those times of callousness mm-hmm. where you might not see it now, but in weeks coming or time later studying that it'll finally hit you smack dab right in the middle of the head be like oh that's what this has meant this whole time or this is how this has been helpful yeah i yeah i yeah there's been some times where just in the last few months I, i preached a sermon and i did not feel it it was not there you may have saw it. I don't know. I did not feel it. Um, and I was like, I, I mean, I stepped off and I was like, golly, I suck. Mm-hmm. I was like, it just, it, it didn't pierce. It didn't hit the way it, it should have in, in my own heart. And you have someone come up to you and say, man, brother, that really hit me hard. And it it was like just breaking at that moment. It just took my heart and it just broke it. You know, I had had a calloused heart mm-hmm. and uh, I was like God reaching in and punching me. It was like, wow, it moved someone else. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I felt about my last sermon. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you step off the pulpit and you're like, man, I, I blew that. And then someone goes, wow, that was really, you know, it did, the, you know, I, I just, it did this and this and this. And you're like, huh? <laughs> How did you get that? <laughs> that? You get? Like, but you know yeah. what? Now that you tell me, I can see, yeah, no. start to see the connections. And that's really cool how God's working in your life. Exactly. And then it was like a punch in the cut. Like, man, that was, wow. I, I just, I was so callous to that. Well, it's one of those things too. Um, quote that Whitney uses from Edwards. He cannot have a taste of the sweetness and divine excellency of such and such things contained in divinity. Unless he first has a notion that there are such and such things. Mm. I mean, in your minds right now, think about it. What's one food that you've never had that somebody always raves about? I mean, for me, it'd be probably Gordon Ramsay's Beef Wellington. Mm. I've heard that's one of the most phenomenal things in the world. Mm. Or at least he's really famous for it. I mean, I'd eat it. If, if he cooked it, he'd probably eat <laughs> yeah. anything but he cooked. I. I mean, I know what beef tastes like. I know what pastries taste like. But to know what that actually tastes like, I'm not oh. going to know it until I eat it. It's a pastry? It's it's not just a pastry, mm. man. It's, you'd have to see how it's made. It's it's mm. pretty wicked. I've seen how they make it, but I've never. Mm, sounds a lot like minced meat to me right now. <laughs> or that goat head cheese stuff. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't have to be beef wellington, Colton. Just... <laughs> Anything you never tasted before, like, you're going to be ignorant of it and not know what it is until you actually encounter it. Yeah. I mean, that's how ignorance works. (laughs) It was just like last night. So we were watching Cars (laughs) 2. Oh, boy. (laughs) I hadn't seen it before, so I was... Oh, you've never seen Cars 2 before. before. So I was trying to to do a sermon and it was really distracting. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Tomater walks up there and they got the wasabi. <laughs> I knew that's where this was going. <laughs> he, he puts a little special. He's like, no, don't put some more on it. And he's like, oh, don't hold out. And he feeds it. And I'm thinking, oh, that's going to suck. It's going to be some 
mint chip ice cream so, yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> and he like takes it and he's running. <laughs> oh, I knew that's where the, yeah. that was going. Anyway, well, you don't know <laughs> what it tastes like. Yep. It yeah. comes back to bite you in the butt. <laughs> and then you learn. <laughs> it's a very enlightening situation. Very enlightening. So, like, especially if you've never had buffalo blazing wings before either. <laughs> <laughs> Those were hot. That was hot. Yep. That was oh. hot. But essentially, <laughs> Donald Whitney sums that up too. If you know little about godliness, you will grow little in godliness. Mm. You know, we think of it as a, of a, a plant and how things grow. Plant grows by being saturated with the right soil, the right water content. If you so, if if that chemistry is off, the plant's going to die. If you're not learning the word of God and you become stagnant, you know you're gonna you're gonna die. <laughs> you know, the tree of life that's in you is going to wither away to nothing. I mean, even let's think about First Timothy chapter four, where Paul's writing to Timothy. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, Mm -hmm. as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Mm Mm-hmm. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Hmm. I mean, how, how important is that? It's not just training yourself for righteousness, but you're training yourself that you can toil and strive. Yeah. I mean, let's think about it this way. My brother-in-law, Remington, he's been at his work for 10 years now, and he's pretty much the lead technician there. Yeah, he's pretty old. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't get there just just because yeah. one day it popped up, oh, mm-hmm. first day on the job, you're the lead technician. No, it, it required training and experience. I mean, you get to ask him some problems about cars. Is it just because it one day popped into his head? No, it's because over time, seeing multiple cars over and over again, mm-hmm. you and get it, to see a lot of the same problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now at our shop, we see about 100 cars a week. Now, most of those are oil changes. But still. It's a lot of cars. <laughs> that's 100 Cars times like five days a week. 20 cars a day. About 20 cars a day and minus weekends and holidays. Mm-hmm. I mean. Don't let me do the math in a year. I'm not going to know that. <laughs> yeah. But you can imagine like yeah. how many cars a 
shop can see, mechanic yeah. shop can see over time. And that's with like six technicians. I guess it'd be 5,200. What? This would be 5,200. Something like that, yeah. 100 times 5,200. I mean, I guess I can do that math. But <laughs> but yeah, that's almost like four. Th- it's probably more like 48,000 48, a year. Yeah. Or 4,800 a year. Huh. It's probably what we see. Holy crap. It's <laughs> the whole population <laughs> of, of Camden. Yeah. More than Max Creek, probably. <laughs> well, it's way more than that. You do that in a day. <laughs> but. Yeah, you, you grow in your. Uh, so, Vody Bauckham uses the uh, analogy of the of the Mason. You know, I've mm-hmm. used, I think I've used I used it a few weeks ago, but um, you know, why is it? Can you imagine walking up to a a stonemason and saying, um, "Can you build me this wall?" And they tell you they've been a stonemason for twenty years, and they say, "Well, I've I just I can't build that wall." Well, you've been a stonemason for twenty years. Why can't you build the wall? Well, I've never actually built a wall before. So you mean tell me you've been a stonemason for twenty years and you've never learned how to build a wall? Yeah, you're not a stonemason. You haven't learned to do the basic thing that you're supposed to do. Right. You know, if a Christian, how how insane is it that Christianity, to be a Christian, is the only occupation in the entire world that we can do it for 70 years and claim no knowledge? Oh, makes me think of that story, um, Catch Me If You Can, with Matt Damon. Oh, yeah. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Or, no, that, yeah, you're right. It's Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio and Tom. Tom Hanks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio became a pilot, <laughs> doctor. Yeah. Doctor. Do you concur? I concur. <laughs> I love, the guy's bone is sticking out of his arm. And he's like, <laughs> it's like a broken bone. Do you concur? He's like, well, it's sticking out of his arm. What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, then do it. And then he walks off. Like, <laughs> But I mean, Christian Christianity isn't something that we're you're able to do that in. No, you can't fake it till you make it. No, you know. And that's why it's so important. Like you can really try to fake like you've been a Christian your whole life, but essentially it comes to that moment where you're looking at the end of the days and you're going up to Jesus, and he's either going to say, "Pass through," mm-hmm. or "I never knew you." And you're going to try to use your excuses mm-hmm. of how much good works you've done. But if you've never really known Christ, it's not yeah. going to work at all. Yeah. Do you know Christ? And by simply knowing Christ doesn't mean that you know who he is. You know, the devil knows who he is and, and trembles in fear. Knowing who he is doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your depth of your knowledge of him? If your relationship with God mirrored your relationship with your spouse, how healthy would it be? Would you be divorced? Would you be single? You know, how healthy would that marriage be? Um, and why is it? Well, our, our, our learning in Christ should be that of greater importance than our spouse. We should know what the Lord dislikes, what he likes. We should know what what he has spoken, how he wants to guide us, how he wants to direct us, what he's done with, with uh, how he's guided others in the past. Um, we should want to know those things. Why? Because we love God 
and it's the natural outpouring of someone we love. We want to learn more about them. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of end on this probably, but what are some ways to learn? I mean, really think about everything that we went through. In the, I knew that was coming up. Yeah, I mean, everything that we went through, you know, meditating, reading, dwelling, journaling. But, but seriously, I mean, this is something we need to line out. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a good thing to pair with journaling because we can evaluate how you are learning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's easy, um, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand as I'm guilty of it, if it's turning on a sermon and going to work, and you're listening to a sermon or you listen to a podcast, and you're in, getting inundated with all this Christian teaching, but how much did you learn today? Right. Well, one thing I really noticed and I've seen the way a church does it is that They'll have their Sunday sermon series, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, their Sunday sermon, I guess, is the better way to put it. But their small groups aren't always topic, aren't topical. Mm. And they're actually focused on going back through what was preached. Sure. Yeah. I've heard of that. And, well, granted, there are some times where the topical series can help in that. But mm-hmm. I really think that it helps to recycle and review of what was said during that Sunday sermon. Yeah, because I think we put the pastor on an odd pedestal. Mm -hmm. He's the super Christian. You know, he knows more than everyone else in the entire congregation. He is so smart. I know no one in my congregation is saying that, but, (laughs) but in other congregations elsewhere, they tend to think that this man's so smart. Um, not woman, man. This man is so smart, <laughs> and he is so elaborate. Um, wow, that's great. Yeah. And you leave it there. That's not the way. And I think to turn the background on pastors, I think pastors tend to get puffed up chests and think, oh, man, I am so smart because I have this theological training. Well, shame on you. Shame on you. I think we all should grow together. The, the foot of the cross is level. And if going through the sermon means that everyone knows what I know, that's amazing. In fact, I want to know what they know because there's people in this, in your walk with Christ that can, and there's people on Wednesday night studies, when they open their mouth and they speak, I sit back and it's amazing what they're going to say. Yeah. I mean, that's why, granted, with times of teaching, there is definitely some instances where you need to provide some information, but especially when it comes to Sunday school, like I enjoy just asking questions and letting it go. <laughs> you like just ruffling them up and yeah. Fight. I mean, had some good hard questions today. Yeah. My, I think my favorite one though was talking about um, ongoing repentance. Mm what does that look like in a Christian's life and how does that apply to the Lord's Supper? Because mm. mm. in an unworthy taking of the Lord's Supper, mm. I mean, you really have to understand ongoing repentance because if you don't, you're just going to think that you have to be perfect every time you t- take the Lord's Supper. Well, let's bring it full circle. <laughs> All right. 
if you were journaling, you could actually document those sins and confessions that you've made um, where you've maybe felt unworthy to partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, and you can share those. You can work on that with yourself. You can share those with a group of friends, um, other brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me rephrase that. Other brothers and sisters in Christ that are not scared to speak into your life. Not yes men or yes women, but people that are going to call you a spade. I'm going to say it exactly how it is. And they're going to encourage you for change. Mm-hmm. And you can write that down and you can actually journal what the struggle is and how you've progressed through that struggle. And maybe you've come to the Lord with another broken heart and you say, man, I've, you know, I'm still this, but I've came so far, you know, I've came so far through this sin, through this struggle that can provide easement for my soul Mm -hmm. to know that God is working and I can actually see his hand working in there. Now I can actually be relieved to take the Lord's supper. I don't feel like my burden is so weighty. I have confessed it to the Lord. Right. Absolutely. And then when you get to that, you've learned. And then you've learned. (laughs) And then next week we'll talk about persevering through all that and doing a recap of the whole series, at least trying to. (laughs) And then, (coughs) dun, 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 Leviticus. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Slogan just, it just gets Logan every time I say Leviticus. Okay. I mean... (laughs) You're paying for the commentaries. <laughs> I already had to buy a few commentaries. That's a good thing. You're the one with the budget now. Yeah, I don't know. It's my personal collection. I oh, gotcha. Fair enough. But if you tune in in the after hours program, we'll talk about commentary. I'm just kidding. Um, but so, like bestcommentaries.com, I think is what it what I've used. It's not what I go to. Go to Ligonier. Oh. <laughs> Best five commentaries. Okay, fair enough. I usually get the third one because it's the cheaper one. <laughs> yeah. Except for this time, I got number one. <laughs> nice. And it was cheaper. All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening to Anchored by Faith. You can find us on most major podcasting websites. And you can also find us at anchoredbyfaith.podbean.com. Feel free to be on the lookout for new podcasts. Remember that the idea of this podcast is to help both you and us to continue to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Logan Batisti. And my name is Colton Wright. Thanks for listening. And God bless.